What do you say on a morning like this after the week we've had? There's not much that can be said, really, nor maybe should be said. In the Old Testament, when Job's friends came to him after he lost everything, tragedy had struck him and he lost all his children and all of his possessions. His friends made the journey to be with him and it records very specifically that they just came and sat with him for a week. Didn't say a word, didn't open their mouths, they just sat with him in his sadness for a week. And they were right to do so. As the elders stated earlier, there is sickness, there's sadness, and there's suffering in our church body right now. And I believe to some degree God is saying, be still, rooftop. Just sit quietly with each other. In the midst of your sadness, be still. In the midst of your sickness, be still. In the midst of your suffering, be still. Be still and know that I am God. This has been a rough year, no doubt. I was talking with someone just this week, early in the week, about just how it felt around here. And we were remembering back to seven years ago when there was a similar feeling of sadness and sorrow. The year 2012, for those of you that weren't here, 2012 was supposed to be this banner year because we had so many expecting moms that year. And we were looking forward to the additions to our church family. And then beginning in January and happening all throughout the year, I think all the way up until November, numerous losses in both pregnancy and childbirth. We were just in shock. Filled with sorrow and sadness the whole year. I remember just those months just trying to get through a day at a time. What do you do with a church body that's just going through this the way that we were? Feels a little bit like that right now. With Mitchell's passing Wednesday morning after his long battle against his autoimmune disease, with Allison's heroic fight against what are still is an unchanging prognosis with her disease. Many of our church family here battling cancer either at the beginning or have gone through the treatment and it's clear, but praying, Lord, please let it stay away, never knowing what the future holds. And others of you out there in the middle of who knows what kind of struggle that we are unaware of. I do believe there is some consolation for us this morning, though. Not to make us feel better, because we shouldn't always try to make each other feel better. At least not right away. It's okay to be sad. Mourning is a part of living. Nor should, am I trying to help us forget our troubles. Some of us can't forget the trouble, and others of us shouldn't. No, the consolation I'm speaking of is hope. Hope in God and specifically hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, 2,000 years ago, life was very dark and sad for God's people as well. At that time before the church existed, the people of God was the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And they had rejected God's offer of blessing and protection if they were to stay faithful and true to him. 
They had said no thanks. They had worshipped other gods and God had withdrew his protection and his blessing. And at that point in time, it had been a full 400 years since he had even sent one of his prophets to talk to them, to let them know that what God was saying. Not only that, but at that time, they were under the, the harsh and brutal rule of the Roman Empire, who had put above them a wicked and brutal king named Herod as king over Israel, who wasn't even Jewish. Life for the people of God was dark. Maybe the darkest it's been in the history of the world. And yet God had not forgotten them, nor his promise. And he sent Jesus into that dark world 2,000 years ago. Before doing this, though, 700 years prior to that, through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he had spoken some words, some prophetic words. Words spoken by Isaiah 700 years earlier that Jesus would speak verbatim at his inaugural ministry day. That day at age 30 when he stood up in the synagogue and he opened the scroll and he read from Isaiah and after reading this passage he said, today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your presence. His declaration, this is why I'm here. God had written these words through Isaiah 700 years prior. And what was it exactly that Isaiah had written and prophesied about? What were these inaugural world words of Jesus' ministry here on earth to his sick, his sad, and his suffering people? Well, they're found in chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. This is what they say. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Yes, Jesus had come to earth to sacrifice himself for our sins, to provide a pathway of forgiveness for all of us, who are guilty of rebelling against God and are deserving of the judgment of God that was placed on us because of our sin. And as we read in verse 1, he did come to bring good news. That's what gospel means. It's good news. It's, it's the message that there is salvation to be found in Jesus. But more than just salvation, we see in this passage that Jesus came to also bring us hope. Hope to those who did not have I mean, look at who he specifically mentions in that passage in Isaiah 61. He mentions the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoner, those who mourn. These are the people to whom Jesus came. This was his mission. You know, we're in the middle of a series right now called What the Church is Meant to Be. We've been talking for a number of weeks now about the different roles of the church. The body. Seems appropriate this morning where if one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. Those are the specific words about what it means to be part of the church, part of a body. Jacob talked about us being a hospital where we come with our wounds 
and our hurts and the church rallies around. They minister to those wounds and those needs on the part of their people. You heard it mentioned that church is a family. We are a family bound together by the blood of Jesus, which is stronger than our own biological blood, or at least it should be. This is what the church should be, and this is what we want to be for each other and for a lost world that is out there with nothing to hope for. But you know what else the church is supposed to be that isn't in our series? You know the topics the church is supposed to be that we're not going to cover? The church is supposed to be broken. The church is supposed to be frail. The church is supposed to be filled with people who are weak. The church is supposed to be filled with those who mourn and those who weep. We are not supposed to have it all together, but rather we're supposed to be courageous enough to be humble and broken before each other. So many of us think we have to dress ourselves up, and here at Rooftop we obviously don't dress up, but internally we put on that face and we come and I'm going to see the people and i got to be on my human instinctual best. And no, and this morning personifies that as much as anything. There's no best. There's real. There's authentic. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And that's what we are free and encouraged to be this morning. Wherever you're at. Whatever your situation. And why are we supposed to be this way? Well, first, because it's how life is. Sometimes that is the hand that life deals us. And there's nothing we can do to escape it. And we just need to be okay with that. We need to be in that moment, broken and humble and vulnerable. Because that's who we truly are. And that's what brings glory to God. But the second reason, the second reason we need to be this way, or we're supposed to be this way, is because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came for those who are in great need. Jesus came for people who couldn't fix themselves. Jesus came to show, and this is one of my favorite words in all the Bible, loving kindness. Jesus came to show us loving kindness to you and to me and in the worst of our circumstances. Let's look at that passage again. He came for the poor. And this isn't just financially poor, but for those who Jesus calls the poor in spirit, the downtrodden, the manipulated, those who have been run over, those who have been taken advantage of, those whom society has deemed less than. Do you feel poor in spirit this morning? He came for, and this is the word that has described what I felt the last couple of weeks more than any other word, and that's brokenhearted. I'm just watching these struggles from a distance, seeing my friends walk through what they have to walk through, and it breaks my heart. And I'm not even in the middle of it. How hard it must be to be walking in the middle of all of this. He came for the captive. How many of us are captive? Captive to our sins, captive to destructive behaviors, to addictions, maybe to grief that happened some time ago that we've never been able to escape. Just captive. Held in bondage. And then for the prisoner. 
And he's talking about actual prisoners here who were jailed for whatever reason back in the day, those who were incarcerated. But this also applies, I think, to those who have been incarcerated in our own society who are now out, some of you possibly. But once you're out, you know you're marked and life is not fair and you are, you are given a raw deal and you can never be fully redeemed and restored because society won't left you and you're still in a sense of a prison right here, right now. And some of you are sitting here feeling like while you're in the midst of a crowd of people, you're in a prison unto yourself. Life circumstances, choices over time have led us to feel like we're in solitary. And nobody really knows the bars that have been put up in our life. And then finally, he says in there, he came for those who mourn. All those who mourn. And this is a mourning of mourning. It's good to mourn, to be sad, to be real. This is why Jesus came he came to meet us in our realness, in our sickness, in our sadness, and in our suffering. And he came to show us loving kindness. This next week is gonna be a week of mourning. It's gonna be a week of memories and Facebook posts. And it's gonna culminate with a sad celebration at the end of the week because we're Christians and we celebrate when our own are called home. But it doesn't take the sadness away. So I pray. I pray today that you would join me in embracing the realness of how we feel and realizing that Jesus is here physically this morning in the power and presence of his Holy Spirit wanting to minister to you and to me wherever we are at. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for in that darkest moment understanding and knowing the human condition so well that you sent your son to not just minister 2,000 years ago but through your spirit to be present with us here in this room this morning, ministering to each of us wherever we're at. That is why you came.